0: Listener
1: Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling.
0: Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 12th of October. Today marks the 20th anniversary of the Bali bombings that killed 202 people, including 88 Australians. A number of bombs tore through the Sari Club and Paddy's Bar in Kuta on the 12th of October 2002, shortly after 11pm local time. Commemorative services will be held across Australia and in Bali today to remember the many victims, their families and survivors. Eric DeHart was in Cooter with his teammates on an end-of-season footy trip and was taking a mate back to their hotel when the bombs exploded. Eric telling journalist Ali Donaldson on the Barley Bombings podcast on Listener, he still struggles today with the anguish of trying to save as many people as he could on that horrific night and a warning some of this content is distressing.
1: I made the decision to turn around that I couldn't help the girls to turn around and try and find someone that I could help. Um, you know, and you make, you make decisions under difficult circumstances and you it was the right decision. I know it was the right decision, but I've got to live with the consequences of that decision.
0: While former Australian Federal Police Commander Glenn McEwen, who was on the ground in CUDA 20 years ago, says it's important the stories of first responders and victims are not forgotten.
2: I'm very, very uh, appreciative of the fact that um, we're able to tell our story. And sometimes we question if we did enough, but um, from what we did do, uh, laid the foundation for the, uh, the investigation to, you know, move forward and, and do what, what it did. And I'll be sitting back commemorating with um, Mick um, away from the hype uh, up here on the Sunshine Coast just to quietly commemorate uh, what was an awful tragedy.
0: And a reminder if you or anyone you know have been affected by this story, the number for Lifeline is 131114. In other news this morning, leaders of the G7 have held an emergency meeting overnight condemning Russia's latest missile attacks on Ukraine. In a joint statement, they say the indiscriminate attacks on innocent civilian populations constitute a war crime. Meantime, NATO says it's closely monitoring Russia's threat of using nuclear forces. His Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg speaking overnight.
2: President Putin's... Veiled nuclear threats are dangerous and irresponsible. Russia knows that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought.
0: Back home now and Victorians are being warned to prepare for what could be the state's worst floods in more than a decade. A massive storm is set to sweep across Victoria from today with predictions more than 100 millimetres of rain could fall in some areas Isolating residents for a number of days, as James Royce reports from Melbourne, the rain will lash catchments that are already soaked.
2: Yeah, Tash, there were already flood warnings across much of northern and northeastern Victoria anyway, but as you can imagine, with another 100 mils plus on the forecast, no one is taking any chances. Emergency authorities have choppers, hundreds of generators. Even community containers on standby to be deployed. These containers are filled with essential supplies in the event that some communities end up becoming stranded. Victoria's Deputy Emergency Management Commissioner Chris Stevenson yesterday issued this warning for those in the most at-risk areas. You need to make sure that you are prepared for up to 72 hours of potential isolation. For Melbourne, flash flooding will be the biggest risk. Up to 70 mils is forecast for tomorrow. However, we can expect minor to moderate flood warnings to be issued for the city's main rivers.
0: Meantime, a new warning for motorists to stay out of floodwaters after a man was found dead in a submerged car in the central west of New South Wales. The 46-year-old was last seen on Sunday near Bathurst with the alarm raised the following day when he failed to return home. Investigations are continuing after police fatally shot a man in Queensland. Officers were called to a restaurant area in South Brisbane yesterday where it's alleged the man armed with a metal rod lunged at police. Officers say a taser was used but it was not effective. Detective Superintendent Andrew Massingham saying officers then discharged their firearms.
2: CPR and first aid was immediately commenced on that on that person, uh, on my instruction. Uh, but unfortunately he uh, was pronounced deceased at the scene not long after.
0: And hundreds of thousands of U12 students across New South Wales will start their HSC exams this morning. Our reporter Michaela Savage has more from Sydney. Yeah, that's right, Tash. English paper one is up first. Things are pretty well back to normal now after a few years where the HSC has been significantly affected by COVID. But the education minister admits this class of 2022 has been through a bit of a disruptive preparation during the bulk of their senior years. But they've done an amazing job. They've shown so much resilience and so much strength. I'm continually inspired by our young people and particularly our year 12 students. Sarah Mitchell there, she's also confirmed the state government is looking at changing the rules around early entry university offers amid concerns some students slack off a bit in the lead up to the HSC once they know their future won't come down to their final marks. The government will work with our universities, with our schools and our students just to make sure that we've got the right approach when it comes to early offers, knowing that students need a lot of opportunities available to them, which is something we support, but it's about getting that balance right. Across New South Wales, about 67,000 students are sitting the HSC this year. Many have already secured early entry into uni. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at at Canstar. Effie, good morning. We heard the very concerning news yesterday from one of our largest energy providers predicting our power bills will soar by 35% next year. So can these companies justify these massive increases and what can we do as consumers to cut down on our bills?
2: Yeah, look, it, it, it was a big shock. But then when you look at some of the data that's coming through and where we're sitting, um, you know, chatting to, to energy experts A1 yesterday, they were even saying that um, 2023 is going to be worse than 2022. And, and there are a number of factors at play here. Of course, we've got the war in Ukraine. We've got the fact that gas supplies, Russia ha- has cut it by about 85% to Europe. And this all impacts, um, especially Eastern Australia. And we've got um, uh, plants shutting too, and our reliance on going on to, you know, more uh, renewable energy. Are we ready for that? Can it take on the demand? There's a whole lot of factors here at play. Um, and energy is expected to, to keep up these peak prices for four to five years, Tash. It's not just now. Uh, energy prices probably won't stay as high as that. So for, for the poor old consumer, you and I, we're in a situation of we can't control all that and there is limited things we can do now with our energy bills. I mean, it was interesting to, to, to hear that this A1 group is also forecasting that the regulator could possibly do out of cycle updates to default offers and, and that is, is quite disheartening as well so look what's going to happen now is that most of us about 68% of consumers do pay quarterly so we're getting our bills right now in October for that September quarter and we're going to see a basically a, a, we're going to have like a, a shocktober a, 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 because this is where we're going to see these price hikes that were happening in June July go into our bills now so what the easiest thing you can do is upload your bill onto sites like, say, Energy Made Easy or Canstar Blue's got it. You, You literally get your bill, you upload it, and it compares it for you. It's the easiest way to see if you can pay less. Now, if you find that you are in the best possible deal, well, things like using your dryerless, not washing in hot water, getting rid of that second fridge, adjusting the thermostat on your aircon this summer could actually save as much as $690 per year. So I played around some assumptions there. So there are kind of little things we can still do, but the best thing is make sure you're on a good plan um, and, and upload that bill and give it a go. And Effie, the Aussie dollar has hit
0: a new two and a half year low this week and that's concerning because it could add to already increasing inflationary pressures but also make the cost of some goods more expensive.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly uh, it certainly can. You know, it could be like a, a double hit. We've got that inflationary pressure. You've got a low dollar. That's going to make goods even more expensive. I mean, the last time we saw the dollar around this level was, was early April 2020. That was just after COVID hit. And when you look at what some of the currency experts at CNC market, they're forecasting one Aussie dollar will buy around 61 cents by the end of this year. Now, if that's the case, things like electronics, vehicles, Household items, including food, can go up much higher. And these costs are passed back to to us, the consumers. It adds to the inflationary pressure. And we know that's already surging above 6% for the September quarter. A global recession, well, that can put further pressure on us because countries won't be purchasing as much Look, there's, course, flip sides because the lower Aussie dollar is positive for exporters. Look, and as for kind of rushing out and buying a TV, if that's on your mind because you're worried about it going up, um, take a little bit of time because there is a huge backlog of orders that have come from COVID period. So there's a lot of intra- in, uh, inventory lying around around. My tip here is to maybe, um, you know, sit back, compare, haggle, because there will be bargains to be had. And even if the dollar continues to fall, it will take a while for us to see these price hikes to filter through to the stores. Always love a bargain. Effie, thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Time for now with Josh Conway. Josh, good morning. We can expect some new faces in the Kangaroos' World Cup side this
1: weekend. Seven of them, in fact, Tash, and good morning to you. Mal Meninga has named his Australian side for Sunday morning's World Cup opener against Fiji. Among them a Cowboys duo Jeremiah Nanai and Reuben Cotter, as well as Roosters star Angus Crichton and Maroons reps Harry Grant and Pat Carrigan. All Penrith and Parramatta players have been rested, however, after arriving late to camp from the grand final. That means Daly Cherry Evans gets first shot at back over Nathan Cleary, but the Panthers star has told Nine he's not concerned. I think it's healthy competition and I'm glad you know it's there. I'm looking forward to being alongside Jez and being able to learn off him and, and all those other great players. And in some other big news overnight, it looks like Des Hasler has all but coached his final game at Manly. In a stunning interview, Sea Eagles owner Scott Penn wasn't exactly glowing in his praise of the current coaching setup. Take a listen.
0: We have a premiership-winning team. What we need is a football department that can get us back there as quickly as possible.
1: Speaking to Nine there, It's former Bunnies and Broncos coach Anthony Seabold who's tipped to take over Tarsh, and Penn couldn't have been any clearer on what he thought of Seabold as a replacement.
2: He demonstrated phenomenal intellect, great tactician, really good with the players. He's shown he's got credentials as a head coach.
1: It really is getting messy out there at Manly, Tarsh. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. And in other news this morning,
0: AFL clubs don't have long now to do their finals deals before the trade period closes. 7.30
1: tonight on the East Coast is the cutoff task. There's still plenty of deals to get through with Ollie Henry having requested a move to Geelong, tall Rory Lobb to the Bulldogs and Josh Dunkley to Brisbane. Collingwood is also keen on Brownlow medalist Tom Mitchell. One man who did get his wish, however, was Jacob Hopper. The midfielder has completed his move from GWS to Richmond and he's happy about it. So pumped to officially become a Tiger. Can't wait for it. So excited to meet all of you. See you down at Tigerland. Brody Grundy and Jack Gunston also found new homes at Melbourne and Brisbane, respectively, yesterday. And just finally, Tash Canberra hosts the second T20 tonight between Australia and England as we gear up for that T20 World Cup at the end of the month.
0: Massive day again in sport. Thank you so much, Josh. And King Charles III's coronation date has been officially announced by Buckingham Palace. The monarch will be crowned alongside Camilla the Queen Consort on the 6th of May next year, eight months on from the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. The historic ceremony is also expected to be smaller than usual, with guest numbers down from 8,000 to 2,000, all expected to gather at Westminster Abbey. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 7am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode on a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Listener.